are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. For so many years now, I've spoken, I've preached on the subject of revival, and I've often given the definition of revival, quoting Charles Finney from the 1800s, the three R's, recognition of sin. When a people have revival, they recognize this is sin in my life. I'm going to plead with you today to come face to face with God, not with me, but with God. What sin is in your life? We are going to lose this country if there's not revival in the church. So I must recognize the sin in my life. And then I must secondly repent of that sin. Bow before a holy God. Here is where I'm wrong. Finney said it might be wise. Saturday night at men's prayer, we've been covering this. He said last week and what thoughts we looked at, it might be wise if you took a piece of paper and begin to list your sins that you know. I've taken that to heart in my own life. Friend, we haven't arrived yet. We recognize sin. We repent of that sin. And then the evidence is that we have a renewed desire to serve God. The church needs revival. We must have a coming back to God. Do you realize it today that revival comes to God's people? It does not ever come to corporations. It does not come to government. Oh, we gotta get rid of these liberals. We gotta pray they get saved. May I remind you, government has never had a revival. When God's people have revival, it affects government, but government does not lead the way for revival. God's people lead the way for revival. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from there, my people, their wicked way, then will I hear from heaven. And it shows up in government, but friend, we get the government we deserve. God's people responsible. I don't know how many in this very room did not even vote last time. We just allow anybody who wants to become our president, our vice president, our senate, our house, our governors, our mayors. Do we even know who the mayor is? Mayor got in, but just a, a handful of votes. Are, are you happy with the mayor's job? Mayor, I wonder if you're watching right now. I've got a feeling you are. And I do pray for you and you're on my prayer list and your family. And I pray for your safety. I pray for your salvation. But you have a job, Mayor, and you're giving it over to the county supervisor, the county health department. No, no, it's your job. It's your job. But I do remind you, governments don't have revival, and organizations don't have revival, and businesses don't have revival, and corporations don't have revival, and clubs don't have revival, and organizations like the Seroptimus Club do not have revival. Revival is for my people, God's people. Can you say that you're in a revived spirit with God? Can you say, and can I say today that God has my heart? I'm speaking this morning on revival 
is for God's people. I've been reading and rereading a new book that I have again, and I've read it many times, but I have a new book on revival from 1904 to 1905 on the uh, Welsh revival in Wales. And a young boy, just a teenager, God got so a hold of his heart. And that young boy got along with God. He became very sick. He had his, what we call the Cherith moment. I preached about it last week when he went to the brook Cherith and God began to cut away on his life. As a teenager, God began to deal with him. His health was broken. He said to his mother and dad, he said, mother and dad, they got word to his parents, I'm over here at Penn, the, the Penn home and they're gonna care for me. Mother was not happy with it. I'm your mother, I need to be cared for you. He goes, I don't know what it all is, but mother, I'm gonna stay right here. God's dealing with me. And that older elderly couple that had been praying for him, they saw it as well. He became so weak, he could not speak, he could not write, he could not communicate. God got a hold of his heart and God was working on him and his brook Cherith and God so got a hold of him that when he came back and fell, saw fellow young people, fellow young people, teenagers, is where the revival started. You listen, teenagers? Many revivals begin with young people. And that teenage boy began to speak in 1904, and the power of God began to come down. And in that community, all of a sudden, in the region around there, Wales, the taverns began to close down. The worldly amusements began to close down. Atheists and infidels, 50,000 came to know Christ as their Savior in just a matter of a few short months. 150,000 people said in that short little time, we want to come and unite with the church. 150,000 people by a teenager. I want you to know, revival, and this revival I'm quoting, they give credit to number one, prayer, and two, singing. Isn't it amazing our government said you can't sing? Isn't that amazing? I'm commanded to sing. I'm gonna sing the Bible says I get to heaven. I'm gonna sing about the holiness of God and the righteousness of God and he alone is worthy to be praised. I want you to know that revival came to Wales through prayer and through singing. And they said, what was the result of that prayer and singing? It was repentance toward God. It was confession of sin. It was walking humbly before an almighty God. I pastor and I get attacked on this when I say this online for preachers. But I feel like I pastor the greatest church in the world. I thought if I ever had to leave here, I don't know of another church I want to go to. I don't have another choir I want to ever hear sing. I don't want to hear, I see somebody else leading the music. I don't want a different orchestra. I don't want a different auditorium. I don't want a different area. This is the church. Now, it may not be for you. And if it's not, find the church, find the pastor. But for me, it is where God has planted me and I'll take North Valley Baptist Church over any church in the world. I say that, but I can tell you where my last five to eight years have been. I spend more time dealing with backslidden rebellious, complainers, murmurs, people trying to come in and bring their new philosophy, 
and they come in and creep in among us and try to corrupt people in this own church here, bringing their new Bibles, bringing the new philosophy, thinking we can drink liquor and drink wine and it's acceptable. It's not been acceptable 45 years ago when we start, started and God still says wine is a marker, strong drink is a raging and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. You're not gonna teach Sunday school teacher here in this church and believe that wine and liquor and the movie house and filthiness is a way of life that's not on my watch. You say, well, they'll leave. I know they might, they have, they will. I don't wish them bad. But I want you to know, though I pastor the greatest church, there's not a day in these last five to eight years gone by that's not full of sorrow. I'm so, no, no, no big deal. I'm worn out, I'm tired. But I'm gonna tell you something, I've got enough strength and energy in me right now and monster drinks or whatever it takes. I talk about the Holy Spirit of God. I'm so fired up to see this nation come back to God through the New Testament local church. No, I'm not quitting, I'm not giving up, I'm not throwing in. I'm more determined than ever to see God do something right here. May it begin this morning. May we begin to use these altars and say, I need to get right with God. In Romans chapter one, you don't need to turn there. Even they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to reprobate mind. Because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination, professing their heart to be darkened, professing themselves to be wise, and became fools. And they changed the glory of God. For this cause, God gave them up. They changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator. Likewise, men burned in their lusts for, as they did for a woman for, with man, one toward another, and men working that which is unseemly. Women also. We live in a wicked day today. But that crowd in Romans 1 is not the problem. The problem is where we find ourselves in Galatians 5 today. It's God's people. The rioters, the looters, the liberals, the sodomites are not the problem. It's the sins of God's people. We become a babysitting services in our churches. Please, 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 will you come to church? Please, please, please. Well, no, I'm going to Southern California this week. But you went there two weeks ago. I know there's, I got party down there. I'm going there. I'm going to the beach. I'm going to the, I'm not talking, you can't have a vacation. I'm talking about the fact we better get serious with God. Your kids are going to live in bondage. Mr. Kaepernick said yesterday, I'm revolting. I'm not gonna celebrate July 4th because of the atrocities of this nation. Now, Mr. Kaepernick, who used to sit right there, let me ask you a question on several occasions. Let me ask you a question. What country is better than America? And if it's a better place, why don't you go there? And I would like to say this, whatever country you tell me, they're not knocking down the doors or the walls of that country to get in. America's the only country they're trying to sneak in, crawl in, of all nationalities, of all races, of all creeds, they want to be in this country. This bad, bad country. They'll forfeit life to get in here. What a tragedy. But again, he's not the problem. 
It's God's people. It's God's people that did not even take the time to meet with God this morning, bow their knee before a holy God. Oh God, may the service morning and night have your touch. May our pastor have the power of the Holy Spirit upon his life. Most people don't even pray for their pastor. My precious father-in-law died last Sunday night. My wife's dad, Mrs. Strofe's dad. For 57 years, he preached in the same church. I wasn't there, but years ago, it may have happened in the late 50s, early 60s, I forget when. But he's preaching on prayer for your pastor. He goes, I have a job, and he'd get up four o'clock every morning and pray for his membership. He'd walk with God from 4 a.m. until about noon. He was just with God. He preached like it too. He just had the touch of God for 57 years, the same church. I want you to know something. One Sunday he was talking about praying for your pastor, and he said, I know you pray for me. And it was dead silent. And he said, You do pray for me, don't you? It's quiet. He said, how many prayed for your pastor this week? No hands went up. My wife was there. He closed the Bible. He closed the Bible. The parsonage was right next door. He walked off the platform, walked home. I want to say it was Lou Rake. I'm not sure if that's true, honey. I went next to the pastor there in the auditorium waiting for you. You've got to come back. Are, are we... Are we fasting and praying over our children? You know, the devil wants to destroy your kids and he's got a foothold in almost every home in America. He's out to destroy your kids. Not just when they're in kindergarten, but even after they grow up and after they marry and after they're gone. He's out to destroy your kids. He's out to destroy your grandkids. He's out to destroy their marriages, their homes, their lives. He's out to destroy your marriage. The devil's out to destroy this church. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, has a roaring lion walking about, seeking him we may devour. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm, I need to lose weight more than anybody here right now. It's just sitting right there. I know that. But I tell you what, the best diet program would be to walk with God and fast and pray and pray for our kids that are heading straight toward disaster. Our marriages. I was talking to one of our young boys that grew up here this morning on the text on the East Coast, and he's just so burdened because of situation in his marriage. Only hope he has is prayer. God can't change your heart. That's all over this nation. It's an amazing thing how many times someone that grew up here will call me or text me and say, Pastor, I got problems. Can I solicit your prayer? And by the way, if they ask, I'll pray. Do you realize how crucial a moment this is for your life? Do you realize where we find ourselves in this country right now? America, I'm getting to my message, was built on the church. When I say the church, it was built on Sunday school. And yet you, can finally, you can't find Sunday school in America. We, we, 20 years ago, got too smart for Sunday school. And we start stop Sunday school all over America, all over the America. You've traveled enough, all over America. We're just stopping it. Where we teach the Word of God, we have little connection groups now all across America. You come and get a coffee, fellowship, good time. And thank God for fellowship one-on-one. -on -one. But we need this fellowship right here with God. 
I am so eager to get your Sunday school classes back for your children and adults as well, where we could teach line upon line, precept upon precept. America was built and revival was built off the church, which is Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, teaching and preaching the word of God. Uh, we, yet we shut it down. You can't hardly find preaching in America anymore. You find lecturers, you find, well, point one on, this, on the board. I want you to see point one. I want to lecture you a little while. The word preach is the word keruk, Greek word which means to lift your voice and to herald, declare with authority. I believe today, um, I, 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 I knew it, I knew it this week. I believed all week that God gave me something that needs to be delivered. I don't believe it's a sermon. I believe it's a message from God. God placed it on my heart and I believe there's an urgency of the hour and something has to happen today. Something must happen today. We are built on the church. We are built on preaching. We are built, built off singing. But you can't hear the hymns and songs and spiritual songs. It's all worship and praise today. And it's directed to me instead of directed to him. We say, well, no, I praise you, Lord. 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 Oh, friend, that's not songs. That's vain repetition. There's nothing wrong with rock of ages cleft for me. Let me hide, trust, and obey. There shall be showers of blessing. I sing the mighty power of God. Holy, holy, holy. There's nothing wrong with all hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall, bring forth a royal dad. Crown him Lord of all. We are built on the church. We are built on preaching. We are built on singing. We are built on holiness. We are built on young people surrendering their lives first to God. First, God, what do you want me to do? Not now in our churches, it's all career. Yeah, my kids gotta get a good career. Well, it might be that your kids are gonna have a career. They might be doctors and lawyers and nurses and executives and CEOs and politicians, and that may happen, that's wonderful. But you give first your life to God. Mothers and dads, you don't raise your kids for a job or for a career. You raise them for God. Psalm 126. They don't belong to you. Your children are an heritage of the Lord. They belong to God. The sins of this world are not the problem. The sins of God's people. We look at them, and I'll be closing quickly. Chapter 5 of Galatians, verse number 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. They reveal themselves, which are these. One, adultery. Immorality with a woman who's married. She's got another husband. She's got a husband and a man has a wife. We feel like I have that right. I, I just, I just it, I'm in love. No, you're in lust. And then he says fornication. Fornication is any indulging in physical immorality with another person. Then he says uncleanness. What is uncleanness? A filthy mind. A filthy mind is uncleanness. And then he says lasciviousness. There's no restraints. The day we live in as pastor, you mind your own business. Judges 17, 6. I'll do that which is right in my own eyes. I want you to marry me, I want you to bury me, I want you to make a good program here so we have sports and we have teams and we have fun and we have camps and we have conferences and we have good things to do, we have music, we have seminars, I want all that. 
but no, that's where your life ends, Pastor. Give me all those things, but I'm not, I don't want preaching. I don't want, thus saith the Lord, I don't want the authority of the word of God. And that is lasciviousness, no restraints. It's all of grace. It's all of liberty. I don't want you to tell me anything. My job is to put some boundaries up with God's people. And whenever you put a boundary up, that's where the battle's gonna come. You draw a line, that's where the battle line is gonna be fought. There's always a battle. It goes on to say, and I just wanna say this about lasciviousness, just most people don't want a shepherd. I've pastored long enough here to know that. Idolatry, anything that's placed above God, Witchcraft is that Greek word pharmakia from which we get the English word pharmacy, which just simply means drugs. And God says, I'm gonna, and these Christians are gonna give themselves over to drugs. Hatred, well, it's hatred, challenging others. Everything always has to be a debate with you. Why? Everything always has to be a debate with me. Why? Hatred is, no, I hate you. It's not that. It means I want to challenge you on everything. I don't want to challenge you on it. And you, and you, and you. I want to challenge you on everything. And variance, which is strife. And emulations, Christian cliques. You're not part of my club. You're not part of my program. It's one of the things I've admired about this church so much. We generally have about 100 different nationalities and countries represented in any Sunday morning service. And it's like the book of Acts chapter two of one accord, one night mine. The government is never gonna be able to figure out how to legislate that we get along. But that old fashioned altar could change everything. And wrath is explosions. And strife is self-seeking. It's gotta be all about me. And sedition is simply be discontent. I'm gonna rebel against authority. I'm rebelling against my mother. I know more than my mother. I'm, not, I'm gonna rebel against my father. I'm gonna rebel against the police officer. I'm gonna rebel against authority. I'm gonna rebel against everyone I can see. I'm gonna rebel against my teacher. And then heresies. It means to take for oneself. It's all about me. It's all about me. We're gonna do it my way, it's me. And then envies is jealousy of another, verse 21. And murder is hurting and taking the life of another. And drunkenness is intoxication. And revelings is, judges, is, is grudges. I can tell you that the greatest privilege of my life is to be called pastor after being a Christian and a husband and a father. I love it. But I want you to know today, there's more rebellion in the house of God worldwide, nationwide today than ever before. I wonder, dear pastors that are watching, we have over 100 countries watching right now. I wonder when the last time you saw people come just at an altar just weeping before God, oh, well, I want to get right. I want, I want my life. I'm not, I'm not talking about my wife getting white. I'm not talking about my husband. I'm not talking about my kids. I'm not talking about my parents. I want to get right with God. God's people believe a new government is the answer when it's the new people of God is the answer. 
I wonder in closing how, how many have prayed for revival this week. We're seeing our, our country fall apart. We're watching it. We're watching it. I wonder if we recognize the only hope this nation has is what's happening in here. And in churches just like this, it's the only hope we have. We can't even get along with one another in Christianity today. I wonder how much of you prayed for revival this week. I wonder how, it's just you and me, just, I'm speaking to myself and I'm speaking directly to you. I wonder how much time you spent in confessing your sins. There's 19 sins, I think, there. I'm not sure. I think there's 19. Have you looked at any of those? Are you the one that's always judgmental, always correct, and always having your way, and always, it's my group? And Are you that one? How much time have you spent this week in either writing your sins down or acknowledging God against thee and thee only? Have I sinned and done this iniquity? Here's my sin, my sin of my pride. Can we say we've actually worked to walk humbly before God and man this week? I wonder, and I know there are some, I know I have had several couples in this church that for decades, they get up at 3 and 3.30 and 4 in the morning very early and they pray for their pastor and their wife. They've done it for decades. God bless you. And I'm not asking that. But for the rest, have you even thought to think that maybe the old devil has his target on that lady right there? And on this man, I'm not saying it's harder for me than you, but don't you think he'd like to knock us out of the ministry? I'm so grateful you take such good care of us, but I'm not asking for anything. I'm asking for prayer. Would you pray for us? I'm asking you today, when was the last time, 1 Timothy 2, when was the last time you prayed for our political leaders? I don't want one ill thing to happen to Governor Newsom. Not one bad thing to happen to him. No, no. I want him to be hurt or harmed or his wife or his family or one political leader. I don't want any, any ill. I don't want to speak unkindly toward them. But oh, I tell you what, they need Christ. I mean, what politician do you know in America? We know a lot of them collectively. Who do you know that's in church today? What governor is going to church? What health director is going to church? What mayor is going to church? I know there are a few. What president or vice president is going to church? There are nine chief, there's nine justices in the Supreme Court. What, I don't think one of them goes to church, as far as I know. What, 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 what Supreme Court judge goes to church? What Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals goes to church. What mayor of San Francisco in the last 50 years has gone to church? What mayor of San Jose, California, Santa Clara gone to church? I, I, I know all the mayors from all the years I've been here, but I don't know of one that actually was a Sunday morning every single week Christian. Not one. I've lived during 13 presidents. 
I don't know one president that ever went to church. They said, well, they can't for security. We should care for other areas. Every person needs the house of God. When's the last time you prayed for our leaders? When was the last time you prayed for labors? The labors are few. Brother Luke Flood, I see you back there. We get these buses rolling again. You need some bus drivers. We need some bus captains. Those bus kids with mothers and dads and the boys and girls and teenagers and a great crowd of teenagers come on our buses. Our bus captains have been there and they said, please run those buses. We want to go to church. I'm talking about teenagers from all over this region that want to come to church. That want to be in God's house. That love it. Brother Manuel knows this to be true. He goes to the juvenile hall to preach. Not been able to get in there. He goes there and so many of those boys that are there said, I used to ride the bus. Dumbest decision I ever made to stop riding the bus and now I'm here. It's the last time you prayed that God would give us labors. I mean faithful labors that join the choir and they're in the choir every time. I'm talking about faithful labors that are soul winners. I'm talking about when was the last time you wept for America? You just wept. Well, you see what's happening in our country. Evan Roberts, that teenage boy, when his health broke, that old couple just interceded for God, to God for him. Rumors went out, circulated that part of his brain was destroyed. He, he couldn't think, and so that older couple was thinking for him, and his, he was paralyzed, they said. He was misunderstood. The result of that cherith moment, a revival broke out in Wales, and then 10 years later again, and 10 years later again. This COVID thing, this shutdown could be one of the greatest things that's ever happened to this country because God could be driving us to a cherith, the brook cherith, where it's you and God, it's me and God. Before we give an invitation, I, I would never want to be rude to you. I hope I didn't come across rude to you today. I love you folks, and I, I don't feel like my battle is not you. My battle is so often I think, Lord, they, they need somebody else. They need, they deserve the best. And I don't need you to write me a note, you're the best. I don't need that. More than ever in my life, because there is a battle, I'm asking you, would you pray for us? I'm asking, would you pray? These men, I'll, I'll guarantee it, and the men and ladies that serve here are under the battle of their life. These dear parents, you kids, you'd be so good to your parents. Your mother is going through the battle of her life with this whole ordeal. 
your dad, your family. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.